Hello and welcome to the cast. We are super excited that you're listening to this conversation about life, culture, and Jesus. And we encourage you to like, share, and ask us questions. Please remember that the views expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not reflect the views of our church. With that said, enjoy. Mike, it feels like it's been forever since we last sat down in your living room and, and did the cast. It's true. It's been a couple weeks. It's been at least that because we did it at Ivan's house. That's right. Last time. That's right. Yeah. What a good, what a, what a, what a good, what a great uh, episode. What a thoughtful Two episodes guy. full. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was good. That was awesome. I, uh, I hope we have him on again here. I know I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on like fatherhood and, and stuff like that. I think, uh, there are some very interesting perspectives to be mined. In oh that yeah, conversation. If I was down for it, I think there would be. I think I know he's got. He's told me this. he's got other topics on his mind too. So yeah. Oh good. well, that guy, the door is always open for that man. Um, I just wanted to call out how amazing Sunday night was for mm-hmm. our church. Yeah. I, that was like maybe the most fun I've ever had at an event uh, with with our church ever. Cool. Yeah. I just left feeling so. Uh, just happy and it was a fun day yeah. And, yeah not that fun is the most important thing but i think it's part of community right oh those baptisms were just beautiful though like yeah. out on the water and you had every kind of element yeah. right you had worship well because like to us baptism is worship yeah right you had that celebration piece you had that fun there's food like people were just enjoying life yeah in community in, in good community right not right like purposeful community yeah it was just overall like check out all the boxes it's great and like the dom's farm yeah, beautiful. That, what an amazing spot. I I didn't yeah. really know what to expect, and whatever I thought I was getting into, that was like better than I could have imagined. Yeah, shout out Brandon and Christian and the whole family. It's, it was nuts. Yeah, can't can't wait to do a few more things there. We are going to do another baptism there. Uh, we're planning for September. It's kind kind of as a fall kickoff. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. I will definitely be there. Um, I hope I hope it can be even longer this time. I just never wanted it to end. But yeah, like the baptisms part was sweet. Like, um, well, basically this whole weekend was me just like celebrating things really joyfully. I mean, like, you know, sometimes when you're asked to applause and cheer and like your heart's not really in it, you're just kind of doing it because everyone else is. But like when I saw people going under the water and getting baptized and coming back out, like my heart was just like moved to applaud and cheer like Mm -hmm. that. I felt that celebration. That was awesome. Yeah, that's why I like the way that we kind of do that where it's meant to be this like moment of celebratory reverence we'll say where it's not like pensive reverence it's yeah it's like we're excited about this, this is a good thing yeah, I, I was genuinely excited yeah. about that yeah and having that having angie's mom this kind of spontaneous that was really cool, thing was yeah. really cool and yeah so it's, it's cool like our goal um you know was just to create that space of you know, uh, a non-agenda, let's be a community, but like centered around 
what God is up to, right? And I think mm-hmm. we just had such a good night for that. So yeah, there was so many people that I got to talk to on on Sunday night too. Like some people that I I really haven't had to like had the chance to sit down with before either. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that I actually wanted to talk to, but I just there wasn't enough time because there were so many people there. And um, yeah, it was a good number actually. I didn't because I didn't know what to expect. It was our first kind of thing like this. Yeah. Right. Where it's a little out of the ordinary, like. Uh, cause I think last summer we did it at a, what we used to call team night. Um, and so it was kind of like a rhythm thing, but this was just like a, we have this opportunity, let's take it. And yeah. Yeah. Like I, when I drove in, we got there late cause we were in Toronto. I was up preaching at C3 in Toronto. Um, which is cool. Yeah. It was Shout awesome. Shout out to and them. We had pastor Jerry. Pan- apparently pastor Sam listens to, to, to some of our casts. Oh yeah. So shout out pastor Sam. Hey, we pastor love you. Sam. Hopefully you listen to this one or else. The shout out is pointless. <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so I got home late uh, just because um, there's traffic and we had to stop to get some food and blah, 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 blah. Um, as I'm driving in, I'm looking down, seeing all the cars parked. I'm like, man, this is awesome, right? And yeah. and, and being Good able community. to create this space and have even meeting like some of the family members of the people, the support, like it was, it was just great. It was a great time. Yeah, like normally I'd probably like talk to you you know, fine. I didn't talk to you at all. I, I yeah. literally, yeah, I said like two things to you <laughs> the whole night. So that's good. Yeah, no, that's as, awesome. As a barometer of like how well we were able to. Actually, work. I don't think the only like real conversation I had with anyone like on the ops team, like our kind of, if you don't know, like that's kind of like our, our operational leadership team was I talked to like Braden and Zach for like five minutes alone each like and then you were playing spike ball the rest of the time spike ball chasing kids yeah um eating hot dogs though you know that's probably not honoring to jesus but (laughs) it's hard to say no to a hot dog don't look up how the hot dog is made right i'm just saying like there's something about a hot dog and open flame that like just makes this beautiful thing Mm-hmm. Amen. Anyways. Amen. Um, the other thing I did actually this weekend that that's very provoked a similar reaction to um, you know cheering out of just pure joy and uh, celebration that that I actually felt like doing was I, I went to a wedding and I I didn't know the people at all. Um, they were uh, they were Sarah's friends from a long way back and. So I was just kind of tagging along as her plus one, but she posted a cute pic though. Yeah, yeah, we took some nice uh, photos on a Polaroid, did like those. Um, but yeah, so I honestly, anytime I go to a wedding like that, and it's just the right combination of like you know a spiritual moment, and mm-hmm. there's like nice music, and everyone's just so happy. Like you see the wedding party coming out, and they just have just these like anticipatory smiles on their face. And then the bride comes down the aisle and you see how joy filled the husband is. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, just brings tears to your eyes. Like it was, it was one of those things. Um, but actually, so that was another example of what I, when I experienced that this weekend, but there was something really cool that they did at this wedding. And, uh, it was they cool. They tied a rope together in a knot of eternal blessedness. That, that wasn't. That Sands wasn't <laughs> pouring into a jar. That wasn't it. No. Candles. That's classic. No, Sarah's sister, Ruth actually read this like meditation um to get get everyone like focused she like invited everyone to close their eyes kind of before the ceremony started Mm -hmm. just to just to be at rest and uh present in that moment it was like very similar to the kinds of things that i would do at morning prayer when i when i lead that or the kinds of things that i would hear on a prayer podcast and i i'd never experienced that before at a wedding 
but it was like it was awesome and i'm gonna make sure i do that when i get married yeah and it's probably like in hindsight pretty appropriate right yeah you don't believe that especially if it's a christian wedding yeah that'd be the thing right it's like we do believe there is like this covenant of three persons right being Mm -hmm. made the husband the wife and god that there's this actual presence of jesus in that moment that not rushing beyond that and inviting ourselves into the like the awareness of what Paul calls the mystery of marriage, right? That it's like this Christ church image moment happening. It's, it can be so worshipful if you let it. That's the problem with me right now is like, I just kind of joke about it, but maybe, maybe by next, you know, summer I'll be better. But because Emily was a wedding photographer. Yeah. We've done so many weddings mm. that it's hard to be moved by them. Yeah. Because it's just like, Especially if you don't know the people. Well, yeah, like it's just you, like... You, maybe you get a bit, like, more... It's routine. We yeah. just know... It, it's become a science. Like, I could plan a whole wedding right mm-hmm. now, like, to the minute. You want to right? plan I, mine eventually? Hey, <laughs> I could... Well, that's the thing is I could tell you how to plan a really efficient and good wedding because... Actually, I as will... As the photographers, right, we are the ones that deal with the time so much because mm-hmm. we need... We know how much time we need for photos. We know how much travel time... And, right, and so we... Like, it's become such a, like, a... Uh, calculation that we would go to so many weddings that they don't even move me anymore. Now, luckily when they are close yeah. to you, there is still that connection. Like I'm doing a couple of weddings for a church and like, it'll be important, meaningful, obviously yeah. I'm not saying that, but when you're just going to them, it's just like, this is just routine and you just get into it that I'm hoping that by like, you know, this personally, if I'm not involved in the wedding, yeah. but like next summer, it's been about that point, like three or f- about three years since we were really doing weddings mm-hmm. that my heart would kind of be like, this is another good thing. Yeah. It's just yeah. weird. It just, I remember just because it became so, so routine. Yeah. Cause there was a summer we did every single weekend, basically. Actually, I had a, um, a long history of actually doing weddings in a different way. I, I, my first job ever was catering. Hmm. So I'd always, I cater a bunch of wedding receptions. I wouldn't usually see the ceremonies happening. Yeah. Um, but I'd, um, yeah, just kind of serve people dinner, take, take their plates away, take their wine glasses away, mm. whatever, you know, deal with, with drunk people <laughs> and at weddings. So I, I probably catered like at least 25, 30 weddings, yeah. like over the course of my days of catering. Cause mm. there was like, yeah, there's one summer where I probably did like at least two every week. Like it was, it was a lot. So and every speech is the same. Yeah, it's I know. Just different stories yeah. that get put in you, there. You grow to really like, it was bad. Like I wasn't really walking with Jesus at the time. So my heart wasn't in the right place towards people, but you just get really annoyed at people. And <laughs> just start like, to like, you can really almost like just script it. You're like, yeah, exactly. oh, and crying. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yep. and, and that's, and that's, that's the, see, I was just thinking about this when you're talking, that's, that's the cynical way. I think of explaining or understanding common human experience. Yeah. yeah right. Cause yeah. there is this preciousness to it that, Hey, in all these moments, human beings feel these things. Right. right? Yeah. And it's like, how do we, we just got to shift our focus on like, yeah, there's a commonality in, in how we experience things, but that doesn't make it bad. No, like exactly. it's actually, it's beautiful. Still. The fact that it's predictable yeah. is a part of the fact that like, we are all commonly human. Yeah. Right? And that should actually make us feel more like empathy and connection yeah. maybe with our, our fellow humans. So it's like, what's yeah. wrong with me then? So yeah, that, that is the, th- I mean, I, I have realized that now, like I, I yeah. And that, and, and like and the funny thing is like, uh, is that, 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 that can happen for church too. Yep. Totally. Right? The, the, we talk church about can the, be routine, the routine, right. Yeah. Which is, I do appreciate like rhythm in church and, mm. and like, like having that kind of 
liturgical heart mm-hmm. that protects some of that stuff. Yeah. But that's where you talk about like just going through the motions of church where it's just like, I've lost the reverence for the presence of God, which I think is why, and maybe I do this subconsciously, right? Like every team rally, we talk about that God is here. And we need to see that and know that because it's mm. like, we can get so flippant, I think maybe. Flippant's even the wrong word, but probably for some it's the right word, but just casual maybe. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, this is the, and then Mike's going to say this, and then Mike's going to pray that, and then Ivan's going to sing this song. It's like, yes, but there's, there's a, there is a supernaturalness to this, right? That's beyond sure the, the yeah. rhythm. Um, and even it's in the rhythm, right? Well, but, I mean, doesn't, like this is getting maybe a bit theological here, which is fine. This is a podcast where we talk about theology. But the format of the liturgy, like, isn't that meant to be kind of a reflection? I, like, this is something I've heard. I think it was maybe N.T., right, that said this on his podcast, that it's meant to imitate what was described as what heaven was going to be like. And I don't know. I have no idea. So the thing is, I've never been part of a liturgical tradition. Yeah. And so liturgical theology, if that's even a thing, was never a part of my world. Right. Right. The idea of liturgy came more to me out of habit. The -hmm. idea that we are creatures of pattern and habit. Yeah. And part of the liturgy that is beautiful is that it, it creates habits of spirituality. Yeah, yeah. So when you don't feel like it, it doesn't matter. There's this liturgy to it. There's this prayer that happens. Like that's where like the rigidity is the dark side to rhythm, mm-hmm. right? To habit. And, and it's like, you know, um, going through say like the Anglican book of prayer or like the yearly prayer guides of the Orthodox church mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Can seem so like, boring to some yeah but how often do we not pray for the things that get remembered in that liturgy for sure and that's right? why like at morning prayer i'm i'm using eugene peterson's prayer book well that was um, a weird thing right because that one time two weeks ago we were talking about where it's like let's pray about south america i'm like where's that come from but like it's because i never pray about south america yeah right no it's for like, sure you don't you don't think to yeah. right and so there is a beauty in that or it's how like even if i don't feel like it i know and this is what actually a friend of mine who goes to the Anglican church said where it's like, even if she doesn't feel like, you know, participating in some kind of thing today, Mm -hmm. the liturgy kind of warms you up to it. You know what's expected. You walk in, the priest Mm -hmm. is going to say this, that, or the other, and you respond and you kind of let your mind take the lead and let your emotions catch up. Mm -hmm. So that was a really cool idea of liturgy, which is why like we've joked about like what's a charismatic liturgy, right? Because it's like, there is still an element of like, yes, well, every church has one. Like, if, no, if there liturgy, is charismatic liturgy, right? though. If liturgy is sort of the pattern of service or the pattern of spirituality, whatever you want to technically, I don't even know if there's a technical term. Like, because I again, liturgical church was never part of yeah. my upbringing at all. Um, but like, if it's simply just the rhythm, the pattern that drives us, yes, we you might not call it liturgy, you might call it order of service. Yeah. But it's, it's if it's the same thing every week. Yeah. Right. With, with little to some variation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then that's basically a liturgy. <laughs> so yeah. it's so like it does affect us. And I think because we want it, right? Like our church right now, our liturgy, right? Is two songs, prayer, offering, two songs, exhortation, word, yeah. word 
worship. Like, right. You can map that out pretty yep. much. Yep. And we're shaking it up a little bit for the summer, going with three songs and an after party. And right. Cause yeah. we still consider that part of the church service, right. That we have this community time and things like that. But like, you can go to any church and discover the rhythm. Yeah. Right. And intentionally you can shape that. So one of the things we kind of almost, I don't mean make light of in a negative sense, but like we try to treat lightly is the fact that we say your kingdom come and your will be done often. Right. As a part of our liturgy as a church, right. it shapes our yes. theology. It shapes our experience. Yep. Um, we kind of like connect a lot back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, we like we, and so that's all part of the rhythm of our charismatic expression actually. Sure. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And just, well, just speaking of charismatic liturgy, though, I, I really, again, he, he wants to do it too. I got to have my friend Andrew on here because uh, we have a lovely discussion about the intersection of those two things and also just debate the merits of Catholic theology. <laughs> well, I just oh, got to read the Bible. So. All right. All Bam. Right. Yeah. He listens to this podcast. Gotcha. He's going to have thoughts on that. No, it's, it'd be fun. But I, I, I literally, that kind of liturgical thing does intrigue me. Only because, well, I've told you this before, right? My my um, deceased best friend, he's still my best friend, maybe. I don't know how that really works. But anyways, We're Josh, eternal being. Um, he, him and I, before he passed away, um, we talk about this often, this idea of kind of create this charismatic, like truly charismatic liturgy, because he ended up going in more the Anglican stream, love kind of the theology and the, yeah. and the, the richness of it. Yep. Um, but we were both these charismatic boys thinking about like, how do we like embody all that the liturgies were meant to, to produce mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into this spirit led, like, you know, because there is a, there is a spontaneity to it. Yeah. Cause we do believe, but this is where we would also push back right in our context with, with there is a, a permitted spontaneity. Yeah. Right. That when Paul talks about order in first Corinthians, right. And he, and he talks about, you know, that even the words that are given must need interpretation or, or the prophets much discern, like, or later on, right. In the, in different places that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet and, and, you know, do not treat prophecy with content, but test everything. Yeah. There are these patterns, even of the spontaneous moves of the spirit Mm -hmm. to know if it's from God or not. Right. So even, taking into account spontaneity, how would we like work through the liturgy over even a year, right? Like what are the prayers that maybe a charismatic person would need Mm -hmm. to think about in a way that maybe another denomination either already does really well or doesn't do, and and, and, just all those questions, right? That like, yeah, this whole idea of thinking through the rhythm, which is maybe why I'm so about the disciplines. <laughs> just, yeah. We just call it different thing in our context because yeah. even the disciplines are meant to be rhythmic, right? We, mm-hmm. I do the same things over time, right, that produce sort of compounding results yeah. in my soul, right? No, totally. Um, and I, I do really want to take a moment to plug that Eugene Peterson prayer book. It's called Seeking God's Face. And you just need to take like 10, 15 minutes out of your day just read through it, do the prayers, because um, there's so much in there. It brings together Psalms, um, New Testament scripture, and silence and solitude, and then just general prompts to pray for. And uh, I really do think that that is an easy way to enrich your spiritual life. If you if, Like a lot of people, I think for a lot of us, we just don't know where to get started with it. And it's one of those things where there is this very easy, very comprehensive resource on doing so. 
few weeks ago when we were watching the Raptors win the championship after all in, a group of us were in the corner kind of just talking about Billy Graham. Um, and Great topic. Yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like I brought it up. <laughs> Probably. I, I, yeah, Probably. Something, that's something real. I would do. Part of Billy Graham's legacy is this thing called the Billy Graham rule, which basically stipulates that if you're a pastor or someone in ministry, um, you know, a man of influence in this realm, you should not be seen alone with another woman because that could give the appearance that you are committing adultery, that you are being unfaithful to your spouse. I think that that roughly sums it up, I think. And some have even gone as far as to extend that outside of the church. Basically, if you're a man in general, Mike Pence kind of expanded that. He he notably doesn't uh, go out to dinner with anyone other than his wife. It's kind of this idea of avoiding the appearance of evil. Well, I think in, in that case, too, it's also about position, yeah. right? And like potential for manipulation. Yep. But yeah, as we were talking about that, Ivan actually brought up a great point and one I'm inclined to agree with because he's like, I think that's short-sighted because technically I could commit adultery with another man. And you know what? He's right. And like not at risk of making this really weird. Like Mike, (laughs) your wife is upstairs right now. So are your kids. Like you and I could sneak out and go commit adultery plausibly. (laughs) That, that, that wouldn't happen, but that is a thing that could happen, plausibly. I didn't expect, I didn't expect you to go there. <laughs> uh, but yes, obviously that can happen. And I would argue, too, for some of the sake of like propriety and even like post kind of Me Too movement stuff where like power and abuse has talked been, been talked a lot about, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, it, it, it's been mainly like... um men to women but if we've learned anything even about the history of you know spiritual communities um not to point out any specific one but you know same-sex pedophilia and everything else like it's part of those conversations Mm -hmm. and so it's it's not even just right it's not it's not even just like same sex it's also like minors like there's so much to it that can go into it that's like because really like but and, and that's where things get complex because then it's like, what is a line? Where is a line? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you protect yourself? What is wisdom? Because should we should we be afraid to be alone in a room with another woman, right? Because what does that mean for discipleship? Then is it ever appropriate to do that? Like or love him or hate him, Jordan Peterson hates this rule, right? Right? Because he's like, well, then that means I can't mentor a female student who's brilliant or whatever. I remember him saying that in one of his like lectures and like, it's, I get the point. Right. And he was also saying it too, cause he doesn't want to be afraid of being accused. Cause he's just balking at the me too things. I don't know if that's a full accurate portrayal of him, but like the tone he had when he said it was kind of like, I'm not going to let these people right. take me down. I'm not surprised. Whatever. The point being right is that it is complex. Cause I've actually sat around a table. Um, well, okay. First let's go back. I do think that the idea of not taking into account same-sex attraction in Christian people is obviously short-sighted. But I would also argue that generally speaking, for the sort of like vast majority of the population, in the, especially, you know, in the church, yeah, the main trajectory yeah. is going to be opposite sex. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a wisdom in that sense. But... Um, like we also got to just understand that 
when it comes to genuine Christian discipleship, I think we just got to be better and wiser and not be afraid. I think there's just a couple different things coming into this because like, and we can dig back into other stuff too, if you want later on, but um, I've sat around tables and this is actually an interesting conversation because I'm about 15 years at minimum younger than this group of pastors that I sit around this table with who help lead some stuff for our city. And like most of them would be about 20, if not 30 years older than me. Um, And this conversation came up actually for one of like the events that we were going to put on. Like, should we do this thing about the the Graham rule because of the whole Me Too thing? And it's interesting because most of the pastors on that table are men, right? Um, Just because that's typically how it goes. Um, That's not a comment. It's just an observation. Go over yourself. Um, but the, the, the one woman lead pastor said that because of that kind of idea, she's always felt unapproachable Mm -hmm. by the leaders or that she can't glean from the wisdom of men who she looks up to or thought were great pastors because it was always seen as unsafe. And I think that's, I think her word was unsafe. I could be misquoting her in that way. But the idea of just like, as a woman disciple, she misses out yeah. on all the opportunity that all these other males get because yeah. it appears to be safer and it's easier. Because it, let's just be real, like as a pastor, mm-hmm. right? Like it is way easier for me to just disciple men. Yeah. Because I don't have to worry about all that. I don't, yeah. okay, in quotations, I don't have to worry about all that other stuff because no one's really going to question it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so then what it does is it does kind of put an automatic like distance between me and, and the female leaders. Now, I think there's wisdom in that. There are some issues that I'm not going to go into with women just because I feel like that's safe. And to be honest, um, I've witnessed firsthand the danger of spiritual counseling unwisely with the opposite sex and how it can go bad because of emotional connections and inappropriate connections that can develop out of those things. If like boundaries aren't set and protection isn't put up and all these other things, because hmm. any kind of discipleship is very intimate. Yeah. Right? Like especially when it's soul care. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Cause that's what ultimate discipleship is going to be for us. It's not just intellectual. It's very intimate. Hmm. Um, and so I think there is wisdom there, but when I heard her say that, that, that pastor, I was like, you know, that's actually like really true. Yeah. Right? That like I've, both on the receiving end, never had to like question knocking on a pastor's door and just walking in, right? Because it just, I can do that. On the opposite side, I definitely know I have been very careful, very hesitant to, you know, spend time in in a way that could be construed as illegitimate or inappropriate. Right. Um, and part of it's, like for me, and this probably doesn't change, but for some reason it feels like it does. Like part of it's because I'm I'm like very close to the age of most people in our church. Yeah. So like it's not like some far fetched thing where it's like, you know, I spent so much time with this woman similar to my age, stage of life, investing in her soul that some kind of attraction could develop, and I'm aware yeah. of that. So mm-hmm. I think that's also mm-hmm. puts a, a, a distance yeah. between me and 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 some of the, the girls because 
I want to protect Emily. I want to protect myself. I want to protect them, right? And I've seen it so many times where, you know, when you start getting in the church world and pastors who fail and all this stuff, how it's just started with one conversation. Yeah. And then it's like this kind of savior mentality shows up or this like you're so helpful you're so awesome yeah right yeah, and then it, yeah. it blossoms into this emotional connection and then yeah, emotions it's crazy right? how emotions work like that yeah. and so there is like so that's what it like because the billy graham rule people don't often remember was part of a bigger covenant it was also about money relationship to the local church like it was it wasn't mm. just about the appearance of sexual immorality it was it was actually much it was actually to protect the ministry at large. So certain things about not taking up offerings, certain things about always pumping up the local church, about never being alone with, with a woman who's not your wife. Like it wasn't just that one thing, just to be fair to the legacy a little bit, right? Because it was, it was about a bigger thing of um, not wanting to disrupt the ministry that God was doing on, on basically sex, money, power in local church. And because at the time there was, from what I understand, right? kind of that paparazzi trying to take pictures and catch uh, these powerful people. And yeah. so just avoiding all of that. Now, that's true. Do I feel weird going into a, like, do I feel like if I go into an elevator with a woman who's not my wife, all of a sudden something's wrong? Like, no. Yeah. I, I sometimes have, because I know that I've like, that thought comes into my head. Yeah, like, yeah. should I, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Do I drive women around by myself? Very rarely. And right. if we do, hmm. If I do for some, like, like Emily knows about it, I'll text her about it. I've even talked, just sort of joke with Ivan um, at times, like, they'll sit, we'll sit in the back seat and we'll call my wife the whole time. Just, just extra careful, <laughs> right? Just whatever, right? Because like, you just don't want to, because there is an level, like I get the element of like appearances and optics. Yeah. Because whether we like it or not, perception for people is reality, right? Yeah. So I do, I understand it. I think unwisely implemented it can definitely put an unnecessary divide but do i know how to get over that necessarily no because yeah. do i do i want to put myself in a place where that could go wrong well no i don't yeah right? I, I think like but just what bothers me or what doesn't sit right with me is just this idea that for women maybe they like feel this like guilt or fear or shame that they're a stumbling block just because men are really bad at at being chaste and and faithful to their partners like i think that's just the worry for me and, and like you said miss out on um uh, you know learning from men and and well, not uh, that I, not that i'm saying that men are need to teach women no, but, I, I, but like, I would push back a little bit i don't think men who do that and i could be completely wrong I don't do it because I think the woman's gonna make me stumble. That's if they're the bane of my existence, right? Like, I, like if yeah. they if they think that's what that's about, then they're wrong, right? Okay. It's not. It's it's, it's about optics, right? right? Like so, you know, like you guys know that like we have a, like a lead team of Megan, Ivan, Emily, and I, and like each couple, like we trust each other. Like mm. I like if Emily and Ivan had coffee, you'd be like, well, I don't know why you're doing that, but I wouldn't question it right right but because of optic because of everything else right meg and i won't you know be in their house alone if we have to have a meeting we'll go starbucks or whatever it is okay. right um it's it's seriously not because like i think i'm i'm just so uncontrolled i'm gonna mm. jump on her as soon as the doors like that's no like I, that's not that's actually not my fear right um the fear in that case is not with her it's with the world it's with optics it's with perception and so I think that we have to be careful putting that 
that spin on it that men do this because they're just they can't keep their pants well yeah but i mean just statistically like that is kind of true just with like all the stuff that has come out recently and well there's abusers yeah but that's but that also is different but 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 there's both there's also like Mm -hmm. sexual immorality like just garden variety unfaithfulness that that a lot lot of of pastors have fallen and like like i think the ones that that are abusive tend not to find their way back into ministry but there are like there are some that did have affairs and stuff like that and have sort of revived not totally revived their careers but like are not gone from ministry yeah yeah but like obviously that ruined a lot of their reputation and credibility. yeah but that's on the but that I, th- I still think that's on the guy like i think if if we're reading into like if if that guy puts in a billy graham rule because he legitimately is so tempted that he can't be in the same room with a woman alone they probably shouldn't be a pastor. The like, there's place. other issues going yeah. on here, right? So, like, I do think that that's a very, I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's a that's a skewed reading of that rule. Yeah, maybe. And it might be a thing where, like, I can totally see why in a, we, we've talked about this before, like, your opinions of purity culture, right? And that kind of culture where that narrative can be internalized that, like, I'm the issue why that pastor failed. I'm the reason. Like, no, two people have to take their clothes off to get in the bed, right? Like, yeah. Like it's- well, but but that's not true of emotional affairs because me- pastors have fallen for, for much less than sex. Oh, 100%. And I think emotional affairs, that's where I was saying the idea of spiritual counseling is a very tricky thing. Yeah. Like, when you open up soul care, like, you have to be very wise with yep. that. Which is why, like, if someone were to come to me um, in our church and say, like, I want to have this conversation, right? Like very rarely I'll have that conversation alone. Even it, like, and if I have to have a conversation by myself with someone, it's always in a Starbucks or something like that. And if they don't feel like comfortable talking about that there, well then you're going to come home and be with my wife and I, because like, I'm not going to risk that. Um, cause again, I've seen it destroy relationships yeah. and destroy mm-hmm. people because yeah. you just get emotionally attached yeah and, and I, I think like that's something that is less easy to control it just is because of yeah. how the human mind works like you really i don't know i it's hard to control who you fall for i'll say that like you can put so you are right that it is wise to take yourself out of situations where that could happen to you yeah and, and, and at that point it's not even like that's not even really falling for that's a mix of insecurity availability savior mentality like it's there's so much mixes in that where it it, and there is a phenomenon too where people go to marriage counseling and then fall in love with the counselor oh my word have you ever heard about this (laughs) no because the counselor in that moment and depending on the gender of the counselor usually reflects the gender of the person who does it are they like portraying the ideal yeah it's because you're the savior you're you're like you're telling my husband just to smarten up and you know it's like you must be awesome and there's this right attraction that happens and and it makes sense but it does 100 percent makes sense right but you know there is and that's even for me why like you know we try to do marriage counseling not because of that specifically, but marriage prep together, Emily and I, because there's just some certain conversations I'm not going to have with the guy by myself, but there's certain areas of of a woman's life that I just don't even think, like I have the biblical authority to speak into. I can give you the principles, but I'm not going to wait until those waters without my wife there or even at all. Right. Experience. Yeah. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm not one. Like now that I'm older, 29, right. I recognize the power of experience, right. Mm -hmm. Of 
I'm glad I've been having, I have my theological grounding and I yeah. feel like from the Bible, I have that authority to speak on certain things, but like, like I, I've never had teenagers. Yeah. Right. Yep. So like, I can tell you principles of parenting and principles of, you know, discipleship and encouragement. And I remember how I was a teenager, what I would have needed, but like, I don't have never raised a teenager. So I can only give you so much wisdom. That's right. right. Yeah. Where someone who's gone through it and has success can give even more so, right? Mm -hmm. And so for that, like I defer to Emily and and, and a lot of times, you know, um, depending on capacity, you know, Meg and Emily do a lot of the discipleship for women, especially on like our teams and different things because mm -hmm. I'm not going to wade into those waters and that's a choice I've made. But how do we combat the idea of being left out? Well, you know, we do joint meetings. We do kind of like books we give people like because and even in our church right like the way we've set it up which i think is actually maybe maybe maybe, maybe this is part of a deeper conversation now that i'm thinking about it right where it's not about mike it's not yeah. about the one guy right there's yeah. there would never be a mike rutledge rule in our church because it's not about me mm -hmm. right and, and we say that not tongue-in-cheek like legitimately like i only make certain realms of decision making and we're very aware of my limitations and so if you want to you know learn about basically communication and then philosophy and theology that's kind of what i do yeah right like and so if you're interested in that cool and i'll teach you and we'll have classes and you know we'll do that but like beyond that it's not about meeting with the pastor mike and so i yeah. think there's been a healthy way of that and plus like half our team is women that's true right yep. very prominent women right yep. and it's just been more natural for like Emily and Megan to disciple them um, yeah. on our team. And then for me um, and Ivan to do some of the guys just and, because of yeah. life stage. And that and is where like I, I do lean on like specifically your experience a lot too. Because I mean, half our conversations, you know, do end up being about theology. But the other half is how do I apply that in my own life as a young man? And there's a benefit to that, right? And so being able to separate the skills of leadership or mm -hmm. sorry i'm choking on popcorn guys <laughs> um of leadership or pastoring they can gain and life application right like i think that's important to do so then if someone were to come to me and say hey mike can i pick your brain about the disciplines like i'm having that conversation we're doing this thing with um a girl in our church who for like her placement wants to do this kind of spiritual retreat kind of thing Right. Nice. And that's a very technical, you know, hey, let's talk about these disciplines or whatever. Right. So, yeah, we met at show and tell and we talked yeah. one on one, like because it's such a specific thing. But, you know, if that's if someone came to me and said, like, hey, I want to talk about, you know, preaching and then also me talking about their husband, I'd be like. Yeah, we gotta, we yeah. gotta make sure draw a line there. Draw a line a little bit, like, hey, like, uh, like I'm your pastor, so I want to care about you. But hey, like I, I, I've done this many times. Like maybe you should talk to Emily about that. I think, I think you know, next time this comes up, let's make sure Emily's in the room or whatever. And I keep trying to defer to that, mainly because I don't want them to get attached to me, and because I do think the woman experience is powerful. And so, like, I think, and and maybe there's, and I think that might be it. Like the the idea of like wanting to be mentored by the pastor. For us, it's not really that important. Yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. we honor the leadership God's put in our church, but we honor that through teams and through mm -hmm. kind of specific callings and capacities. And and I know that that comes up a lot on this podcast because it's kind of 
who we are, yeah, but for sure, it, it is actually, I think, a beautiful thing that unintentionally maybe has actually grown some of that health. This is all just organically happening in my brain right now, so this all could be wrong, but we're like, because of the way we've built that structure, it's created a, a safer place for both sexes, both genders to get teaching and get mentorship and get discipleship. Well, yeah, there's just so much opportunity that, that I see within our community outside of you know even just the lead team for that yeah and we're still smart in it like i like i said with like like megan like we just meet at starbucks yeah right just because why put yourself in that place for people to have a question or you know we'll talk through you know exit strategies in meetings if we know that sometimes i leave early like are we going to make sure that everything just looks on the up and up right just because we want to be above reproach yeah but not detrimentally not that you can't but you know what i mean yeah right like and so for us like it's important to it's important to not have as much as we can right where it's where it's where it's easily discernible mm-hmm. um yeah the appearance of evil let's just be above reproach and not put, not let anyone think anything right now can we control everyone's thoughts no does everyone agree on certain things? Well, no. Like, like, do I post every show that I watch? No. No, because I think some people might stumble over that. Yeah. And I don't. And I know I don't like take to. it as like task, like approval. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or well, there's that. Or just like judge me for it. Right. Because like, well, I can't believe my pastor's. You know. Well, get over yourself. I've said that three times this episode. Um, just like it's just there's no need for it, right? It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, because. There is this idea of conscience. There's this idea of like, you know, our moral imperatives plus our personal conviction, right? And if I like, if I know my spiritual maturity can handle this thing, and I don't think it's inherently detrimental, right? But someone else maybe at a more immature stage, or Paul says a weaker stage, couldn't, right? They might be strong in some other area where I'm not strong in, so they can indulge yeah. in things I can't, right? Like, like I don't drink, right? Like, mm-hmm. like sometimes, you know. I've tried expensive wine because here's eight hundred dollars bottle. I'm gonna try it. Whoa, right? really? Yeah, it was wow. actually gave champagne actually. Okay, at a wedding that makes sense. And uh, it was a super rich wedding, and they're like, uh, "We have this bottle. Like, do you guys want to try it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we do. Like, I'm never gonna get this chance again. Like, I'm not that rich, so yeah, right. Yeah. So, so we tried it, things like that. But like, I'm not gonna drink. And part of it's because my personal conviction just is like, I I don't know if it would be the best thing for me. And like, do I judge Christians who do it? No, like, yeah, I don't do it. I just don't think it's necessary for my life. And right. I, there are other cases where like in my past, I was a lot more like any good Christian wouldn't, but like, go ahead if you want to. And <laughs> really? I, oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. Oh, come on. Man. Um, but glad you're not that way now. Well, you should just stop drinking then, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but just cause it's like, I know for me, that was a pr- big thing. And so um but again i'm not gonna like hold someone to it mm-hmm. um if within reason yeah they're oh, of consuming yeah. right Sobriety now and all that. again like there's idea of like i still would ask questions of intention what's the point do you understand why you're doing it like yeah i do think the depth of our understanding of our own actions is sometimes lacking um so i'm gonna make sure we understand that but the point being is like i can't control everyone's perception so as far as i can like why would i give anyone more reason to question mm-hmm. so that's why especially when it comes to this billy graham rule 
the optics I still think are important, although the principles maybe have been extrapolated beyond maybe intention to the point of actually probably detrimental to some women receiving leadership or receiving things that could have been greater, like this pastor I was talking about, where she's felt yeah. put behind the eight ball because of the fear of men um, not wanting to be you know, seen or put in the space or whatever. Because she did bring up this idea of trust, right? That like, and, and this gets into a whole bigger conversation, but like, do we trust as male pastors, the women in our life, right? To not say, believe that they're going to say something that wasn't true. Cause I think that's part of this implicit kind of fear that like, if I'm alone with her, she also has power over me to say at any point that I did something. Yeah. Right. Cause I remember feeling that like, yeah. especially as a youth pastor, when girls would like drive, want, want me to drive them home after youth, if their parent couldn't get them. Mm. I always have this fear. If I do this, like she could just call the cops right now and say, I did something. And then I'm, I'm screwed. Cause they're going to believe her. Right. Yeah. And I do think there probably is this implicit lack of trust that probably was both ex- exacerbated and exaggerated because of the whole Me Too push, but then also exposed at the same time. And so it's both like a good and a bad thing a little yeah. bit, right? Because like, obviously, the, ch- the church, spiritual communities, um, universities, academics, right? Hollywood, obviously, there's been a lot of hiding, a lot of covering, yep. right? They're actually, for, all, for a long time, there probably wasn't enough awareness, wisdom, fear, honor, so many things right that go into that that when it all came out Mm -hmm. it was like every how do i say this right and i want want to make sure i do say it properly because i I, like there was there was this kind of like the guy i believe was this guy who played superman that actor um said something about how like he's he doesn't want to like ask him on a date anymore because they're just going to say that i'm sexually harassing them or something and he got blown up and then um Mm. everyone just caught on it because there's also this fear now uh, that lives in a lot of men that like women are unsafe now, right? Because of this whole freedom to say they did this. And yeah. that's obviously an abuse. I think of a lot of it is just a healthy recalibration. Well, I, no, I do believe that there is this like exposing that's happening. That's very good, right? Like yeah. that, like if you are above reproach and you are having systems and you do know how to discern and mm-hmm. take extra caution because yep. people are people are people we're messy we're we were like we're just, we're messy people right and yeah. if you're just not being wise then yes and like i know we don't like talking about it but like we have this called thing called sin proclivity towards evil and evidently there's some abusers that walk around that manipulate and are power hungry mm-hmm. and prideful and arrogant like i know that doesn't fit the narrative of culture everyone's awesome and wonderful and beautiful but like that's part of the human condition and like for the sake of like just not trusting those parts of me i need to be wise that's right right now what i think it's done in some pastors is serve to how do i say it almost wrongly confirm their fear that this could happen because Mm. out of the whole like me too thing there came this also like false accusation push that just all of a sudden went like, see, if there's one false accusation, that means there could be a hundred. Right. Right. Yeah. And 
because of just media perceptions and where you get content now when like we know media bias is a real thing and blah 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 right the idea of like innocent to proven guilty was coming into question is it victim always yeah. well it, like once right? there's a headline about you you can't really wash that stink off exactly yeah. right and so there's this fear of like well i don't even want to give anyone the opportunity to maybe even one day potentially one day down the road say anything yeah so just no women are in my life and i think like that was a unhealthy mistrustful or distrustful i don't even speak grammar right now um reaction to the exposing of abuse and so the positive is that abuse was exposed and still is being like we're not out of them whole me too push now right like nope there's still still more to come <sighs> sorry there's still stories coming out and shockers coming out and like like and, and things and there will be for like the people the thing that people don't get is like this isn't a you know 2019 issue it's been going on for a long time right mm -hmm. like you just read history be it tyrants be it teachers right be it fathers be it mothers be it priests be it spiritual cult leaders right like the whole nexium thing right like yeah. it, it's it's not a new phenomenon that human beings abuse one another right but there's been this cover this this hiddenness to it in all these different areas of culture hollywood the church institutions that is being exposed in a good way that power you know power unwide unwisely wielded it's going to abuse in some way, be it physically, emotionally, whatever, yeah. right? And finally, though, there there are some degree of consequences. Yeah, and consequence, and we need that. And we've talked. I think we've talked about this in the podcast. I can't remember of how like the values of the kingdom go fully against the kind of three idols of of leaders, right? Money, mm -hmm. sex, and power. Yeah. And you know, we are to be generous, not greedy, yeah. right? Giving away and taking care of one another. We're to be servants of all and not abusers and tyrants, right? And we were to be chaste and, and mm -hmm. sacrificial in our yeah. sexuality, right? And so it's like, you just follow the ways of the kingdom. You're not going to avoid all these things, right? But people are broke. And so I think this is what I kind of hear. So I'm sitting around this table, right? And and by this table now, I mean the proverbial pastoring table, like in the city and different things. And you kind of do hear this implicit fear of, I don't want to be falsely accused. And so I'm just going to back up. I'm just going to back up because it's true. Once the headlines out there, especially today, like you're done. Right. Yeah. And you don't get a second shot at it. No. And, and especially because people love, right. And, and like, even if it's a false accusation, even if, and I'm not saying it is, but from 20 years ago, it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. The moment you say this position person, whatever, like, and even if it comes out three years later, actually it was all a lie. It doesn't matter. Right. There's three years of, this this narrative and i do agree that most often it's not going to be you know generally speaking people aren't bringing up these false accusations left right and center it's not but for a lot of these people you need that one time mm -hmm. right that scares them and so i do think that there is this kind of fear of that gets mixed with the honor of billy graham because like for all that he did accomplish for the church and whatnot we honor him and his rule was morally upright in the mind of that culture. Yeah. And I do think the intention was great. I actually do agree. Well, and do. it was meant to be a rule applied to everyone. It was his own personal ethic too, I believe. Like I said, it's protecting 
Like that's just that's how he lived. It was protecting the the ministry, right? And yeah. Again, because it went beyond this. It was about money. It was about the local church, stuff like that. And so, I just and and that's the thing is that that's the question is. Is this younger generation of leaders? How are we doing better? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really, right? Because can't answer that. Don't we know. don't know yet, right? Like, I hope we are. Like, I do think that there's ways of being wise. Like I said, I still kind of follow it in the sense of certain degrees of conversation will always happen um, with my wife in the room. I will never have a meeting with a woman that my wife doesn't know about. Mm, but I'm yeah. not going to avoid them, right? Because I do think there's value in that, right? Like I've had meetings or I try to make it like a double meeting. Like there's always two women in the room, um, so, things like that, or just hyper public and then everyone knows about it. And because of the way our lead team works, usually Megan and I even know about it too. Hey, have you been with this person? We're meeting this person. It's very, very communal. Yeah. That like, obviously you could still abuse the system. Like this thing, like, Systems can never fully correct for human sin. That's right. Right? Yeah. So it's like, no matter what you do, and yeah, you could pull the whole same sex thing. Well, I'm not everybody, but I'm attracted to this guy and this is what we're doing. So no mm-hmm. one ever suspects it. Yeah. Right? So like, there's always, like you cannot systematize, you know, fully the human heart. Like there's That's no right. way you yeah. can, yeah. It, it is the moral compass, it's the Holy Spirit and, and it is going to be personal discipline. Right? And so we're doing things to, basically be wise and discerning and systematize as much as we can because we don't trust the sin in us, right? Because that's the thing what, what, what begins to happen is, and this sounds kind of like, do do I think that like every person's just going to do some major mortal sin? And it's like, well, no, but why would I not think I could? Yeah. It's kind of like, remember we talked about, I think we talked about how like people never read history as the perpetrator, but was as the victim. Yeah. Have we talked about that? I, I think we've talked about it maybe not on the cast, but But like the yeah. idea of like reading history, we always assume that we would be, you know, the the Anne Frank versus the Nazi. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah. And it's like, well, no, like real human beings, normal people became Nazis. They're doing it right now south of the border. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to go there. <laughs> Talk about the choice that we all have. Anyways, um, that we always like, we we like to assume we're better than we are, right? Cultural narrative, same way. Like we're all just unique and special and wonderful, and everyone else is the problem. All the crap that gets preached today. But the point being that we, the moment we trust ourselves to the point of no wisdom, like you're going to fall, right? Yeah. And so, you know, humility is recognizing, right? But for the grace of God, I would fall just like that guy. Right. And leaning to it always. Right. Like it's mm-hmm. not like I am as susceptible to sin as anybody else. I'm, a, I'm as susceptible to even unintentionally abuses of power. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just because maybe it's, it's this one little thing this time that leads to this one thing next time. And also now I think I can just make these decisions and I don't know. Right. Like, so I just like, I don't trust myself enough. Yeah. Right? I trust Jesus. I, I mean, yeah, that's true. You you do find new ways to disappoint yourself sometimes. and Yeah, and I think we just got to be aware of that. And that's why I think, like, again, principally speaking, the optics, the idea of being above reproach is so important, right? Mm-hmm. And and whether it gets fully worked out in this whole, like, you know, specifically never being alone with a woman that's not your wife thing, like, 
Well, with the amount of communication we can have now, with the amount of awareness, like my wife always knows where I am. Yeah. Like there's never a question of like, she might not know when I'm going to get home, but she knows I have these five meetings today and that's it. And if she has a question, she can ask them, right? Like yeah. she can get into my phone. Like she knows the password. She can go on whenever she wants. Like there's just, but there's a level of trust that like, like that she believes that I want to honor her. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's yeah. a level of trust there. And yeah. like trust, um, trust should be given generally. And then, and then it can be broken. Right. Like oftentimes we hold people and, and I understand it. Like th- and this is kind of counterintuitive a bit, but I, I, but it's this leadership idea of like, and usually when it comes to leadership and giving away tasks and trusting people and letting them disappoint you versus letting them earn it and like withhold them. Yeah. And then sort of let them have more. And it's just, but and it, and it can't be, it's not one-to-one applied to life and personality relationships and things like that. But there is this idea of like, when you grow in intimacy, when you go in trust, right? You give people, like you give them your heart, right? And then you don't want to assume they're going to break it. Mm-hmm. There's an idea that you know you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Right? Like it's, Especially in marriage, you know you're going to disappoint one another. Yeah. But like you've already given them that trust. You're like, you know what? I'm, that's right. I'm, I'm going to give that to you. And that's what friendship becomes, right? Yeah. It's supposed to be. Yeah. And, and if we walk around always so guarded and mistrusting mm-hmm. of people, yeah. like that is automatically isolating mm-hmm. and not healthy, I think. Yeah. Like you have to be wise. Again, wisdom is a huge part of this, right? Like there are some people... Like just throughout my, like I, cause I've been in ministries pretty much since 16. So it's almost 13 years now where like, I just know I'll never have a one-on-one with you by myself. And right. it's whether it's discernment, whether it's the spirit of God, whether it's just you freak me out or even if it's like, actually, I think I might be way too attracted to you in, in an unsafe way. I'm just not going to go there. Right. Like I'm, yeah. there's so many different layers of it that like, I'm just not going to do that. And that's just cause I want to protect me, my wife. Like, that doesn't, like, usually now it's more just purely boundaries. It's like, I'm just not going to disciple you with alone. Like yeah. That's basically what it is. When I was younger and I wanted girls to like me hmm. and I wanted all the attention, yeah. I did very much check my heart a lot. Yeah. Because this is the dynamic of, like, spiritual leadership too, right? Is, mm-hmm. you know, we're always telling people, like, you know, you know, look for you know, the, the character, look for the spiritual leader, look for the whatever, telling women that all the time, single women, and then you're trying to embody yeah, that. Yeah. Like there is this weird kind that of dynamic true. there, especially yeah. if you're a single guy doing that, right? Yes. Like single pastor or whatever. Yeah. And, and so you gotta be very careful with that. But the point being is that like, I think we need wisdom in it. I do think throwing it all out is bad. I don't think like one for one in the modern world necessarily works. Um, I think because something you said, right, of like the awareness of same-sex attraction, how that, you know, is part of culture in a way that it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, 40, yeah. 60 years ago. Right. Um, or overtly. Yeah. We well, say. not openly. Yeah. Right. That, that is a thing that the church deals with in a different way today than it did. Um, that we just have to be aware of dynamics, power dynamics and leadership dynamics and wisdom. And I just think it gets, it gets down to wisdom so much. And yeah, like I want to be above approach. And I know, I know as a pastor, and leader where a culture already distrusts and mistrusts me. I just don't want to give them more fuel. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's not that I don't actually trust women. It's that I don't trust culture, 
But at the same time, I, I do say, and I say this, make sure we get this clear. Like, I think we've actually done a pretty good job in our church to make space for that. Yeah. I feel like there is space for everyone in our church to be discipled. I don't feel like anyone is excluded from that um, as a result of, of any kind of gender bias. So I can't speak for everyone, but I hope not, right? If it was all about the one guy in the mountain kind of me- mentality, yeah, I go up, I hear from God, I'm the, like, but we don't have that here, right? We like, we know our roles, we stick in it, we do it well, and we establish through, through it. And so I think there's just been some unintentional wisdom, to be honest. Like, I don't think we were thinking about all that when we were dividing this up. But the way it's kind of worked out is just, it creates that space where yeah, everybody can be given an opportunity. And, and like, I'm just, and it, because Emily and I too, and this is the thing, and maybe this gets into maybe even culture, is Emily and I collectively are way more involved in church ministry together as like pastors of yeah. the church in a way that probably hasn't, wasn't true before, right? Mm-hmm. Like as much as Billy Graham's wife is awesome and she does a lot of good stuff, people don't really like yeah. talk people about her the same way, right? Yeah. Or in the traditional kind of more Baptist places where it's like women aren't even really allowed not really allowed to lead. There's still women leadership, but it's a different kind of leadership. Right. We'll there, say. there are more restrictions. No more restrictions. Um, that the idea that like the pastor's wife, we've kind of abolished a little bit. Yeah. Because I even like there's no such office or gift. I, I, I don't think of it that way. You're right. Right. Yeah. And so it's kind of like we lead it. So yeah. it's not Mike. It's not like the one guy where... I can see why like maybe older pastors who was who were the one guy and then the wife or the one guy then the team who kind of stood above everyone as kind of like the Moses style of leadership I often here I right, could be more afraid of that because yeah. it's, it's more about me it's more about like what I'm bringing in my ministry and what I started and and my anointing and yes I think there's there was been value to that there still is value to that but I think the way that and this is just how I'm processing it because even as I've been in kind of both worlds yeah where I've been in churches where Emily kind of was just relegated to like the pastor's wife. That's how the community saw her. Right. Yeah. Where like, she was not valued for her leadership and her discipleship and Mm. her ability, like unless it's a woman's meeting or whatever. Right. And so people want to meet with Mike and talk with Mike and you're the pastor, you're the lead pastor. And I'd have to have these meetings. And I sort of was uncomfortable with it, but like with these old, but they're also way older than me. These older women, like in my office alone during the day, because I'd be the only one in the office working. And it's like, I can't like just say no to you. I can't be like, no, come back tomorrow or never. Cause my wife's never here with me. Yeah. Right. Like it's always yeah. this weird kind of awkward tension I have. Um, so the door is always open or whatever you could do. Where now we don't have an office number one. So that sort of avoids <laughs> that. Uh, but Emma and I are so in this together that I don't really think there is a, like an opportunity for me just to be that lone ranger kind of guy that yeah is, is yeah, is that that kind of leadership style, I guess we'll say, right? And so I think that also protects us a lot, right? Yeah. Where it's like now she is part of this thing as much as I am. And if mm-hmm. you want to, you know, and to be honest, and I say this pretty boldly to the church, like better leader than I am. She, like, that's what Emily is. She knows Emily's leadership. A great leader. And she knows like culture setting way better than I. I've had to learn it. She's more intuitive in it, gifted in it. Mm-hmm. I'd say spiritually mm-hmm. gifted in it. Where like I, my leadership trajectory is way different than hers. And so there's certain things that I do that she doesn't do well. And, but I think the good thing is we actually compliment each other so much that this 
like idea of us as a couple leading actually has kind of protected us in in that kind of sense in mm-hmm. a way that I actually haven't really been fear fearful I'll say or hyper aware or nervous like I used to be when it was just me and then Emily was the pastor's wife yeah so I think there actually is a power to that that's that that's interesting that I think this more what we would call egalitarian leaning kind of like pastoral team has actually been benefit where it's yeah. like I'm, it's, it's us it's not me you know and, and that probably helps in a way that a generation ago wasn't as prominent mm-hmm. right what well, even in the charismatic world like people don't don't actually re- even realize this but like the idea of women leadership is in in the realm of like modern denominations it's still pretty new like in the course mm-hmm. of church history right yeah and so even amongst the pentecostals in the charismatic world like that's still a a welcomed theological position with a delayed emphasis of practice we'll say mm-hmm. right where there's not a lot of like strong female senior leaders even with the theological mapping for that to be and so as we're getting as we're trying to figure that out i think like it's opening up different different conversations different dynamics but i think that for emily and i because we do this together so much it, it does help bridge this gap we just have to be aware of, aware of those perceptions in other ways so mm-hmm. yeah you know, like i said i still like no one's really asking mike without emily in that conversation right which is just automatic and good and the, i think people are starting to expect that that like unless it's one-on-one with a guy actually i can actually say that i think in the last like year probably um I've only had like two conversations where it was like just between me asking just between me and like another a woman to have like a conversation around church or something and not because they didn't want Emily in the room. They just didn't know Emily was like should have been or could have been right. Like I actually don't think that I've had a conversation where it hasn't been implied that like this is with you and Emily, mm-hmm. which has been really cool actually in yeah. hindsight because we both bring so much to that dynamic and our counsel so much better if she's in the room. Yeah. Right. So I think there's that implicit kind of just protection, actually, now I think about it, just in how we've actually structured church, which I just, I've never thought about till right now. So that's hopefully true. Yeah. I, I process that now and process that out loud a little bit. Hey, that's awesome. But yeah. praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At the end of the day, wisdom is key, right? Because yes, but the Billy Graham rule should apply to everybody, right? There should be this kind of sensitivity around appropriateness and, and, um, dignity and honor right and being aware of other people's struggles right like at the end of the day if i know someone's struggling with same-sex attraction right and i'm counseling them in a deep spiritual way i should still be accountable in that i should still be letting someone else know about that maybe even letting my wife know about that just so there's still that protection of the person and myself right like Mm -hmm. so I, i just think we have to again it's just wisdom i think there's just a wisdom there that we need to capture what the heart of that was, perception, appropriateness, honor, and say, what does that look like in the modern world? Because um, I think with, again, technology, communication, and even with that, like these things are only as good as we want to use them. Like, cell phones, I'm holding my cell phone thing, as, if you can see that, right? Like if I don't want to text Emily or let her see my calendar, then it doesn't yeah, matter, right? There. Yeah. And so I think there's just, I just, yeah. So anyways, all to say, I'm for the heart of the Billy Graham rule and the idea of perception, honor, 
for my spouse, I do think there's been some unintended consequences that are unfortunate. And we should, yeah, I want to make sure that the end of it, at the end of the conversation, it's like, no, like we recognize that there's value in the genders teaching each other and being together. There's appropriate conversations, I still think, that are best when they are same gendered that I purely experience. I do think that we need to be aware of places of potential abuse, but not fearful of brothers and sisters in Christ, um, but wise. And because I just want to say that because I don't want to make sure anything I said maybe could be taken flippantly of what's been going on in culture. Like, I think it's a good thing that abuse is being exposed. I just think it's a bad thing that it's confirmed by maybe misappropriated fears in pastors. That's more on pastors. That's not like, that's not on the movement. That's just on us saying like almost just technicalities justifying kind of what we've thought um, with like the one time something went bad. And if we treated every situation like that, like I understand this, the severity of this one, but I just want to make sure that like nothing can be misconstrued what I'm saying. Like exposing a, like abuse is a good, just thing. There's just other narratives that get spoken because of it. We have to be aware of. <laughs>